You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Clap your hands. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to an episode of, I don't know what this is called, the Sixers pod. It's called Give the Man His Trophy. Let's just start there. Give give the the man man his his trophy. So let's, let's start there. Uh, Tons of MVP hoopla. I'm, I'm on the I'm on the line here. First of all, with Greg Dennis and I'm Dave Early. We are just Shout doing out. we're doing a structureless emergency pod because the Sixers had probably their best win of the year, and I'm, you were telling me offline maybe one of the sat most satisfying victories of what of the. Um, I'm I'm struggling to think of a better regular season win in the process. Well, I won't even say win. I'll just say, you know, total, total experience, given the context. Um, I'm struggling to think of a better regular season experience. Fun ones that come to mind. I mean, in the actual process, like TJ McConnell's jumper was fun. Uh, Almost beating Golden State Warriors was fun. Harrison Barnes at the three. When they were good, a couple of Jimmy Butler's game winners against the Hornets, and who else did he hit one against? Was it? Yeah, Orlando but those. Or- I mean, like those weren't like. I, I I don't know. I just feel like, given everything over the last three years and becoming runner up, uh, the Sixers playing as well as they have, um, coming on the heels of the uh, Ben Simmons return the other night. And then, you know, being down 15, the Nuggets fully healthy, a one seed in the West. And for them to play like that, come back, get the win, and be to completely dominate. I don't know. I just think um, I think that takes the cake. Yeah, so why don't you tell me a little bit about your thoughts during that game? They're down by 15. They look so bad. Their defense had no chance in that first half. They come out in the second yeah. half, and they look like a college team who forgot to have five men on the on the court at one point. Did you see that? That was amazing uh, when Harden jumped up <laughs> off the bench. Harden came off the bench and poked it away, and then immediately you see like Dave Yeager yelling, hey, we only have four men on the court, and the refs call it tech. Doc's just sitting there with his arms folded, and I'm like, were they I, the narrative is going to be they're completely not ready? Doc Rivers guys just do they not practice enough? You know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I gotta say, like it, even when they were down fifteen, I I never felt like you know it, it felt like it's they, you kind of saw how quickly they could make a run. Like they did it two or three times where they cut the lead to around seven or eight. Um, and then Embiid hit those back-to-back threes on that two-for-one at the end of the quarter. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was just sprinting into that second Just one. sprinting down and pulling up threes like Steph Curry. And then um, Niang hit the, you know, did it again at the end of the third, I think, where he hit the back-to-back baseline threes. So, 
I always felt the game was in reach. Um, Denver, like you said, they're very, very good offensively. But, you know, something we won't say often, I do think I do think that adjustment, putting Tucker on Jokic, I'm sure people will be talking about it, allowing Rome uh, and B to kind of roam a bit and play help D, that, that was big. It seemed like that was when their uh, offense finally had a hitch. Yeah, because as much as Jokic outplayed Joel in the first half, which I think despite maybe a points disparity, he did because he was just picking them apart, dropping dimes all over the court, and they had a 10-point lead. Uh, Joel outplayed him decisively in the second half, completely locking them down. I mean, they only had 46 points the entire second half. So some sort of a well, trend. And, and also, I got to say, like, you know, Embiid, I don't remember him having such a dominant game on the boards. It just seemed like he was cleaning up the glass. Anything that was in his area, he was going to grab it. And, I mean, Jokic is a better rebounder than him. So, But it felt like tonight, like, he had just decided that he was really going to exert his energy and put an emphasis on that. So um, that was very noticeable. Yeah, Joel's taking some heat, and I do, I do want to bookmark how well P.J. Tucker played, so don't let us forget that. We have to circle back to that, because he only had two points, but this was easily his best game as a sixer so far. Uh, um, I think he earned his whole contract tonight. <laughs> he did, so don't, <laughs> don't – um, this is your responsibility. Don't let us forget that. I'm, I'm ready to uh, – anytime I'm ready to jump back into the P.J. pool. Yeah, we got to jump back to the P.J. pool, but on Embiid's boards, he's taking heat for that this season. The Sixers have been one of the worst rebounding teams in the league, and people are saying they have to trade for Andre Drummond to clean up the glass. And at one point in the year, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Joel implied that that is the element of the game that he's been most thinking about, the surgically repaired thumb, because it was a box-out play that he injured it on originally last season. Um, I saw one of the first plays in Game 3 against Toronto where he looked like he got it hammered and he winced, but maybe he heard it earlier, and I guess it was fighting for boards. If you had to guess, that's something that's been on his mind ever since because he hasn't exactly cleaned up the glass, and that wasn't an issue for him today. Like He had every rebound. He was totally vacuuming them up. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess either he said, I'm not thinking about my thumb today, or there were a lot of uncontested boards for him or some of both. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I could see where if, if thumb is an issue that that would hinder him on the boards. But for whatever reason, tonight it just felt like he just had extra juice, as you might expect. And like the Sixers, you know, not a good rebounding team, kind of struggle a bit just vertically, athletically. <laughs> and, when Embi and when Embiid plays like that, you, it, it's not the case because he makes up for all of that. Yeah, I mean, he was easily the best player on the planet today. Uh, for those wondering, like, should he be a starting all-star? Just the whole thing looks absolutely ludicrous right now. I mean, it's just an embarrassment. Um, you know, and, and, you know, just to touch on that, like, let's like the, the, the guy he should have been starting over without any question is Giannis because, you know, you can make the team argument for Tatum Durant, I don't really have any issue with Durant being a starter, but like 
Sixers have been better than the Bucks, and Embiid has been better than Giannis by any metric. And, you know, like that's, to me, I, I haven't really heard anyone point that out. Like, you know, rather than just saying Embiid got snubbed, like who should he have got, gone in over? It's obviously Giannis. Yeah, I think uh, I think Spike Eskin I saw on Twitter saying, like, don't just say the rules stink. Um, and people have push, pushed back to say, but the rules do stink. And I do think there's some merit there. However, uh, I, I also like what you're saying to take a stand and say, who should he have started over within the rules? Because he should still start over somebody. And I agree with you. I think Giannis is the guy there. It just It's unfortunate, especially because a lot of the people who voted for guys like Giannis Tatum and Katie over him will have used the availability argument. By the time the All-Star game rolls around, Joel will have played more than them. Yeah, I mean, everyone's missed games. Like, no, no one hasn't missed games this year, unlike some years where, uh, you know, there's one guy who's, like, only missed one or two games, so you have to really weigh that in. Um, everyone's missed games. So, you know, that shouldn't have been a penalty for Embiid. I don't understand it, but... Um, the Nuggets you just know, basically load managed the game in Milwaukee. You know we would have heard about it here on the local radio if Embiid missed that game to load manage. Oh, they threw one in against the Bucks. Embiid scared of he was ducking Giannis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like I gotta say, like as a Sixers fan, and I'm sure, I'm sure Doc Rivers has joked about this with his staff. Like, you probably don't mind that Embiid has this chip on his shoulder right now because he clearly was was coming from blood tonight. Yeah, I and, think it was. Uh, I think it was Cassidy Hubbard after the game who said, "Do you feel like you should be an All Star starter?" Which is such a innocent, <laughs> innocent way to ask that question. That that you Why know the answer. The bear? Yeah, Why she, poke the bear? She absolutely asked it as innocently as possible, and he was like, "I mean, I do feel." that I'm often disrespected. Um, but, you know, I'm just focused <laughs> on my teammates. <laughs> it's cool. That's great. It's great. So, yeah, I, I'm sure Doc Rivers doesn't mind. But on the other hand, Andrew Unterberger recently tweeted, like, this take it personally thing doesn't work out for Joe. And I think you might have seen some of that against the Nets, trying to put Ben Simmons through the rim early in that game. Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny because, I mean, like, tonight, obviously, the opposite was the case. I think that... Um, Not in the first half. Ben, that's true. He he did come out, and he was... but Missing free throws, but, looked flustered, but tight. The thing in the Nets game that was noticeable is he went away from what he usually does, which is the mid-range jumpers you know, the finesse kind of pick and pops. And he just, he just was trying to stuff Ben in the basket. And um, yeah. I think that led to a lot of the, uh, the difficulties he had in that game. Like rather than just face him up, shoot over the top, he, he really wanted to like uh, have, have a highlight. So 47 points, 18 rebounds, five assists. And one of my favorite ones was the out of timeout in bead, uh, sets the screen for Harden, gets the ball in his elbow office, throws a no-look pass to the corner where Tobias, who did all his work in the second half, drained a huge three. Tobias, a couple plays later, comes down and hits uh, and steals the ball from Jokic. Embiid also kicked in three steals and two blocks, seven of ten from the line, made all his free throws after missing his first three, and four of seven from three. He looked like in the first half he was pressing. I think he was 
you know, it's rivalry week, and I think he wanted to make a statement, and I think that worked against him a little bit. I don't know what happened in that, in that halftime locker room. Was the orange slicer guy on point? Because they came out, and they looked really, really sharp, and everyone looked kind of smooth and comfortable, right? You no longer saw that tightness <clears throat> once they started making that run. Um, shades of Brett Brown putting the four on their five. Remember, he used to put Tobias on Marc Gasol. That's right. That's right. You did see that. You saw some Toby on Jokic. You saw some Tucker on Jokic. And we want to circle back to Tucker. Talk about the game that PJ had. <laughs> Here's his line. Let me just read this first. Two points, one steal, one assist, one rebound, a minus one for the game in 24 minutes. 0 for 1 from 3. Yeah, he was he was great tonight. I mean, he missed that lay. Like, Embiid had that great pass. Oh. He misses the layup, and then he gets a tech on the other end. Oh, and I'm 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 like dying. I'm like, get him out. I've seen enough. <laughs> and then Hard, Harden like even from, commits the ticky tack to make it an and one. That's right. That's right. And then it it really seemed like from that moment on, he really played his best stretch of the season by far. Um, he was the tip in, obviously, where I feel like he was, you know. In a time machine on that one, he looked like he got up higher than we've seen all year. He did, and then he, he, I, he did, right? I was yeah. like, was that Tucker? I watched a little bit of 2018, 2019 highlights the other day, and I see James hit him on a pocket pass, and he just dunks it with one hand pretty easily, uh, which is impressive to see because he's he's like six five, but he's like two fifty or something, right? Yeah. Uh, so he does look like a linebacker going up to dunk. And he got up that high and more on this tip in. I'd like to see it in slow motion. Yeah, he, he was great. And I mean, you know, he's he's a really tough guy to post up. And um, you know, it's like it's like trying to uh post up a fire hydrant, you know, you just can't move it. People used to so, say that about Muggsy Bugs, right? He's surprisingly hard to post up surprisingly hard to post up and it seems like Jokic kind of kind of played into his hands on that because um he, you know he, he he probably should have just faced up but i guess he felt he had such a height advantage that he should just back him down and uh he was great and it, and it also allowed him be to you know play the weak side so yeah the job they did against Jokic in that second half and fourth quarter was excellent uh, he hit that hook shot, and the broadcast said that was his first field goal of this, was it half or quarter? And I was like, oh, my goodness. It must have been the fourth quarter. Um, but I remember that key play trying to back up Tucker on the baseline, and he passed the ball out of bounds or stepped out of bounds. It was a big stop, and there was a couple more of those. Obviously, Tobias getting that timely steal. Um, really, really good. Harden was very good. I thought, you know, low-key, like, Nothing spectacular, not a big scoring game, but, you know, just really um, controlled the ball, set up and beat really well, was very patient. Uh, not, I don't know if he, I don't know how many turnovers he had, but I don't think it was many. He had and, no, um, no turnovers. No turnovers. So there you go. So he, hyper he was, efficient he, game. Hyper Seven, efficient. 17 points on mm. just 10 shots and, 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 and 13 clearly, assists. Like he was, he was playing to set up his guy. I mean, he knows as much as anyone what it's like to chase an MVP and how these games play into the narrative. And so you could see on those pick and rolls, there were a couple times where 
he probably could have went to the hoop and he just kind of waited for him to come around. So he, I thought he was really good tonight. Yeah. If you wanted to spin a fun narrative, I think you could say that Embiid was pressing a little bit in the first half, trying to play some ISO ball. And in the second half, he let James Harden get him to his spots and it was much more fluid. And so playing through Harden worked out in Embiid and the Sixers on the whole's favor. Again, 17 points, 13 assists, zero turnovers, taking just 10 field goals. He was three of six from three and four of six on the line. Um, really just a masterful performance. It, it really Darryl, was. Daryl Morey ball I, efficiency. I, I agree. And, you know, Embiid had that stretch down in the fourth where he had the dunk. That'll probably be the highlight. Mm. Um, but then he had like a little, a little jump stop, one-handed shot in the lane and then he had two jumpers over Jokic I mean it was like four or five field goals in a row where it was like okay this is going to be he went um, on a a personal 7-0 run so he hits a behind the back crossover step back fadeaway over Jokic then he comes down and blocks Murray then he trails a play and hits that pull-up one-hander half floater half pull-up you're talking about then they yep. get a stop, and then on the next possession, it's the pick and pop where he drains a three. And that's the dagger. That was like the, 90 seconds. Oh, that was before the dagger because he had two threes, right? So the second one was where he was kind of facing up Jokic and he just like like where the roof came off the building. Yeah, yeah. So the the one I was originally talking about was put him up by five. Um, and then after a timeout, that's when Harden threw one to Embiid, who kicked it out to Toby. <laughs> And his three put them up eight. They actually gave that lead back pretty quickly. It was like suddenly a three-point game again. Um, but then, but then, yeah, then they just delivered, man. What, what a win. What a win. And uh, what a great game for, for Embiid. I, I want to touch real quickly, get your take on the uh, spat between Niang and Shake in the second quarter, I believe. Um, I think Tobias gets a hand on a ball. There's a two-on-one break coming back the other way. Shake has it. Niang's clearly open for the for the bunny, and Shake just either doesn't see him or decides to take it himself. He did. He saw him. And, he saw him. I think he just thought getting that pass. There wasn't a ton of room between them. You know, neither Shake nor Niang were wide the way they teach you to to really space. Uh -huh. So the defender was kind of able to play both of them a little bit. Still, you'd like Shake to be able to make that wraparound pass. Yeah, he should have made the pass. I mean, I don't think that's even a question. But yeah, yeah. I'm more curious, do, do you feel like, like uh, you know, no big deal. Niang was frustrated. He let Shake know it. They should have moved on. Or are you more, there's no need to show up your guy like that uh, just because he made a mistake? No, I think Niang, who is a little feisty and does like to talk trash, probably let out the appropriate level of frustration. A um, couple of games ago, I saw Tyrese Maxey take a layup where he had a trailer that he definitely should have hit with a behind-the-back pass, and he took it up himself, and I think he missed it. Um, so it happens, and you should let a guy know, and it's normally fine, but I think Shake, who keeps his cards close to the vest and you did you remember him like jawing at joel in the bubble <laughs> yeah when yeah, we, didn't was... even, we were still learning his name and right he was like fighting with joel <laughs> and you'd think maybe that would like get in his head or he would ride the bench but the very next game he hits a game-winning dagger against the spurs so 
Shake has this side of him. I assume that Shake felt very defensive being told by George, pass it to me. And Shake overreacted. That's how I would look at it. Yeah. Uh, that was that was kind of my my take on it too, and then I thought like, okay, like is this something, like is there is there just frustration in general on George's part that he feels like Shake doesn't find him? Um, that's possible, but but I'm with you. I, I felt like Shake could have easily just given like a quick my bad. And, that's what and he should have done. Over, just tap your chest, and, say my bad. Right. Yeah, I, that was kind of that was kind of my feel for it. I think that's what nine out of ten athletes basketball players do in that spot even in pickup like oh you're right I, I did have you yeah yeah especially if i didn't make the shot <laughs> yeah 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 that was that was tough that was tough i mean um, i understood shake like it was just defensive acted out of acted out of instinct but you yeah. know how when you, anyway you know how when you miss a layup or you get ripped how hard you hustle back to make a play <laughs> i think that's kind of what shake was feeling like yeah totally totally um, but you know, a, a win like this makes it so easy for either one of them to to come up to the other one in the locker room and just be the bigger person and be like, "Hey, you know, my bad." You know, when you win a game like that and there's so much positive emotions flowing through the team, I feel like it kind of masks whatever whatever incident on the bench occurred. Um, so let's take a quick break right here and jam in a few words from our sponsors. When we come back, I want to ask your thoughts on do we owe Doc Rivers some credit or did the Sixers have enough talent they're winning in spite of Doc at times? I know there was a stretch where there was like four guys out on the floor. Obviously, Montrez played and he was a minus seven in just 10 minutes. And then I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, football. So stay with us. We got some heaters coming after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And we're back. I'm here with Greg Dennis. Greg, real quick, um, don't want to harp on this because we talk about this way too much anyway. This is such a sensitivity point in Philadelphia. The backup center minutes, Doc Rivers. Do we owe Doc some credit? I mean, the Sixers have won like 20 out of 24 games, but at the same time, you watch that game and at times they're down by 15. And I'm like, they don't need to be down by 15. They're playing like a team who doesn't practice much. Joel has no idea what to do when you triple team him. Guys don't know where to stand. At one point, you have four players on the court, and it's a technical foul. And Doc doesn't even seem aware of it. You got Dave Yeager, like, barking out. Someone get out there. Um, <laughs> and Trez. I mean, we learned in the bubble in 2020, Doc lost his job in L.A. because he overplayed Trez against Jokic. And guess who we see tonight? It wasn't Paul Reed. So 
tell me what you think. What's the what's the appropriate level of vitriol or praise for Doc these days? What do I always tell you about Doc? You gotta let the good doctor cook. <laughs> you, gotta, <laughs> you gotta let the good doctor cook. Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, look if if you're gonna if you're gonna criticize him, and he certainly has deserved criticism. Then you know you got to give him you got to give him credit when the team is is winning and um and they're doing good things. I mean, I do think the backup center thing is a very real thing. And um, you know, Montrez again, you saw tonight. Like as soon as he came in the game, it was like Jokic was just drooling. So was Ben uh, Simmons two nights ago. So was most, Ben Simmons. The yeah. most notorious non-rim attacker in the sport was like, oh, Trez is on me? This is buckets. Yeah, it was it was really tough to watch. And, um, you know, he's he's approaching DeAndre, Le- DeAndre Jordan levels on defense where Ooh. it's like very quickly the team can score eight points in a row and you're just like, what, what are we doing? You well, know? your center's so, only six foot seven. Is that obvious? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, when when that happened, like I, I can't imagine how what it's like for Embiid. Like you, you know, you play so well, you get a lead, and then you leave, and you just watch watch this happen. So this is this is something that <clears throat> sticks in my mind, and it's a broader conversation. But but I'll let you finish your thought. Go ahead. Um, no, so I was happy that at the very least, Doc matched up Jokic's and Embiid's minutes in the second half. Um, and went to Tucker. And, you know, I feel like Tucker obviously has been underwhelming for most of the season. Like, maybe he's just the backup five, and that solves it. I, I don't know. I mean, to That's me. To Horford. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By like, the playoff time, I, he was just the backup five. And he's just the backup five, and, like, that's fine. I mean, the Sixers have other guys that can step in there. Um, so, I don't know. Like to me, that wouldn't be a bad outcome. I don't know. He was so good down the stretch that I would think if you could load manage him to the finish line, you might want him out there more. But uh, what what I was gonna say is the backup center thing is big because you tell me if you disagree. But a win like this and a performance like this is going to dramatically to to a degree it shouldn't swing the MVP conversation, and it makes me think back to last year. In those two head-to-head games that were so winnable, the Sixers lost home games to the Nuggets and Bucks by a total of like six points. They were so winnable. DeAndre Jordan and Paul Millsap were just crushing in those games. And like you said, if you're Joel Embiid and you see that you're outplaying Jokic and you're outplaying Giannis, your two most top rivals for these MVP awards, but your team's losing by like three points because when you sit, absolute mayhem happens for no reason and it's awful and it seems so unnecessary like if they could have just kept a guy like mike muscala over the years the bucks found brooke lopez originally for 3.3 million dollars they found bobby portis and pj tucker they're looking for jay crowder they know they need guys like this the sixers just keep going to guys like dwight howard greg monroe deandre jordan montrez harrell and it's just an organizational problem that really seems to cost Joel in these voter awards because voters love these head-to-head games. Yeah, I I agree. Um, it's it doesn't seem like Paul Paul Reed seems pretty buried in the rotation. Obviously, Doc doesn't trust them uh, at all. So 
you know, we'll see. I mean, we'll see if they pick someone up. There's been a lot of rumors that um, Kelly Olenek could be available. Which might you want be Kelly? Nice... Yeah, I would take him. I mean, he kind of fits the, the mold of some of the guys you just mentioned where he could at least come in and stretch the floor. P.J. Um, Tucker insurance or someone who could also play with Tucker. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's it's just tough. I mean, the Sixers just have so few assets it's hard to know what they'll really be able to do but i would be i would be eyeing the hornet second round pick that's going to be like 33rd overall that's almost a first sure yeah i i i'm sure daryl try to cash it in i mean the team looks really good um i think they're two games behind boston now cork Maza in second. the loss column yep we're rooting for the knicks as we record this to beat the nets which would be a big help. I don't know, man. Keep rooting for the Knicks. You might uh... stop. <laughs> stop. I will take Brunson and Randall over KD, Kyrie, I mean, Claxton, Harris, Simmons, O'Neal, and whatever they get for the Sixers. That team plays hard. That stop team it. Plays hard. Don't you dare. <laughs> don't you dare to convince me to worry more about the Knicks than the Nets. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's switch gears. Sixers' best win of the year. Joel's 8-1 to MVP odds are certainly going to drop. Give really the man his trophy. Jokic yeah. should give him one, honestly. He has two. I don't know if he brings them on the road, but if he does, it'd be the right thing to do. To say, you know what? I have two of these. I saw what you did tonight. Here's one of them. Now we each have one. Totally reasonable. And we'll see who gets the tiebreaker this year. That seems, you know, that would be the right thing to do. But again, I don't know if he brings him on the road. I don't if, know. Maybe his brother, his brothers think, might be close by. And if you think Russell Westbrook should give his 2017 trophy to James Harden, I won't argue with you there either. But I don't know if he takes okay. it on the road. I don't know. I don't know if he takes it on the road. Um, all right. Let me get your feeling on the Eagles right now. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I expect, you know, I mean, the not San Francisco is very good, but I think that the Eagles are at home. They have a better quarterback and they're a much, little bit more better. much better. Yeah. So, so you have the better quarterback, you're at home and usually that's I, good I, enough. <laughs> usually that's good enough. Now, if you want to tell me the Niners have, a coaching advantage i won't i won't argue with you that, that they, they very well absolutely may be true. do they do okay I, you know maybe i'll change my tune i think that sirian has been very very good much better than i expected i thought he was going to run this run heavy approach that would have made them an above average team and instead they came out like the buffalo bills throwing it every time and it worked um but i think kyle shanahan has been one of the best three or four or five coaches over the last half decade, for sure. I mean, going back to he should have run the ball a little bit more in the Super Bowl, but still, he's been one of the best assets in the game. What I'm looking for is can the Eagles take a lead? Because San Fran, they've, they've played every almost every game. It feels like they're playing with a lead. So they don't have to get um, the quarterback too involved. They can, they can run a game plan where he's not having to make major plays. They've got a great running attack. So if the Eagles can jump out, get a lead, crowd starts going crazy, the Niners have to throw the ball, that'll really play into the Eagles' hands. 
I expect them to win tomorrow. Um, that that would be my pick. I, I feel pretty good about that. Debo, Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey. Do you give the Niners the edge in terms of skill player positions? There's A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, <clears throat> Miles Sanders on the other side. I think it's pretty close. I mean, you could you could definitely make an argument that San Fran has a slight edge there, but um, what is Hurts? This I think I think Hurts is fifteen and one when he's played. He looked pretty good against the Giants. Uh, they're at home. Like for me, that's that's good enough. That's good enough. Yeah. What what percent healthy do you think he is? An AC sprain is not something that heals in the amount of time that he took off. So, you know, he's, um, if I had to ballpark it, I would say he's maybe 80%. Yeah. So it seems, it seems like he's, he's okay throwing, but he, he does seem to be a little bit less aggressive on the running, but, um, there's ways to pl plan around that, I think. And how about on the other side, how are you feeling about, I just saw Travis Kelsey was put on the injury report with a back issue. He missed media. There is some uh, clips of him running, and he does look okay. Obviously, he's going to play. But any late Friday addition to the injury report with a back to your best weapon is odd, especially <clears throat> that Mahomes is dealing with a high ankle sprain. And we remember from many other occasions that takes like two months to heal. <laughs> yeah, I mean – if it's an actual high ankle sprain, like the kind that you saw it. usually you, you leave the game in a boot and you're like literally on crutches for two weeks, then I mean, it's really hard to pick the Chiefs. But uh, he did finish the game. He did practice this week. Full, full I don't know what they're going to shoot. I don't know what they're going to shoot him up with, but it's going to be something that, that normal people don't have access to. <laughs> and He said he has 8,000 devices that he uses for it. Yeah, there you go. I mean, he, there's no telling what what kind of stem cell blood deer antler, yeah, deer deer antler hologram. uh, holograms <laughs> that they're gonna shoot him up with. But I mean, who knows? Like, he might come out on Sunday and look pretty good. If I, if you were a birds fan, who are you rooting for on the other side of that bracket? Man, well, you figure if you get the Chiefs, you're getting Mahomes on two more weeks rest, right? Mm -hmm. um on the other hand if you get the Bengals, this is that'll be a team that's won how many in a row now i don't know 11 11 know. in a row like i mean we might look back and just be like yeah the Bengals were like a historic like a, like just a complete juggernaut yeah um, if they could have converted like a fourth a fourth and one in the super bowl they would have won it and we'd look at them a little bit differently today i i think i'd rather play the chiefs um if i was the eagles and yet, I'm. I I feel. I just feel like for some reason, KC pulls this game out. Wow. Okay. I I am with you. I would agree that I would be rooting for the Chiefs because of the injury situation, and because of the injury situation, I think the Bengals pull it out. I, I think Mahomes is going to do some magic. I think he's going to provide this valiant effort. Um, they never really. Despite the amazing offense, they never found someone that I really trust other than Travis Kelsey. You know, like replacing Tyreek with a bunch of guys who are okay. Valdez Scantling, Juju Smith-Schuster, Sky Moore, who isn't really part of their rotation right now. 
Uh, Kadarius Tony, who will be certainly the X factor because he is talented. Can they get him the ball? Is he healthy? Is he more of a gadget guy in this game? I don't know. They don't have a running game you can totally trust. And so I think that the Bengals are going to win, and I think that they would beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl at this point. I know that's sacrilege on a Philadelphia pod, but that would be my guess as of today. I don't think that's unreasonable at all. Um, logically, the Bengals should win. I, I would love to see uh, Andy Reid versus the Eagles. I feel oh, like man. that would be poetic in many ways absolutely and um we got a we got a pretty good chance i mean if both home teams can win which we all deserve championship that. yeah we all deserve that so that'd be a lot of fun all right greg where can the people find you you have anything to promote plug any last parting shots uh no no i'm off the, you know i'm just uh just, just a man in the bring universe. me out of the bullpen bring me out of the bullpen when you need me and i'll, I'll try to give you a few scoreless innings <laughs> and and what do you what do you think of the Sixers' chances over the next couple of weeks? I know the record, the schedule gets much tougher. Yeah, well, I mean, the schedule. This was supposed to be the tough stretch, right? I mean, the Nets and the Nuggets. When you looked at January, like Orlando, Orlando, games. San Antonio's next. You might be able to win all yeah. three of those. So and the rest of the guy. they they really should. I'll be a little nervous for the next game for the letdown factor. I mean, this was such a uh, emotional. Uh, a lot of effort, and you could definitely see if they kind of come out flat on Monday. I could, I could totally see that. But hopefully Orlando is just not good enough, and it won't matter. All right. So avoid the trap game. Thanks so much for tuning in. Greg, thanks for joining us. Another episode of the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Let's go.